Hey everyone, there is no plan B. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it's a beautiful spring day in Minnesota, if I can say finally. It took a little while to get here, uh, but today is an absolutely beautiful sunny day. There is a little bit of warmth in the air. The snow is almost gone, uh, but today is May 3rd uh, that I'm recording this podcast and there still is still are banks of snow on our property. Um, hopefully by next podcast, uh, the snow will be gone. I'll keep you posted. I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat. Uh, thank you for tuning in again today. Uh, I want to talk about a topic that's super near and dear to my heart. I've been talking about topics over the past couple of weeks um, that have sort of ruffled my feathers, if I could say that in a polite way as I've been trying to stay honoring uh, and dealing with some of these cultural issues. Um, but I'm going to start with something that ruffles my feathers again, but it will lead into a topic that is really uh, my life message uh, as well as my wife's. And and uh, I, it's my privilege to share a little bit of my heart with you on that. I want to read just from April 29th, 2022, just a few days ago, an article written by Cynthia Miller Idris, I-D-R-I-S-S. She's an MSNBC opinion columnist. So you can understand maybe the direction that this article is coming from. Well, she's reporting a new report on the January 6th U.S. Capitol attack published this month by researchers at George Washington University detailed the role that women have played in American far-right extremism over the past century, including how many are leaning heavily into their identities as mothers to justify their engagement and to recruit and mobilize others. Oh no, not that. Not identity as mothers. Not their willingness to engage others. <laughs> they have also been strategic. They also have been used strategically to try to depict government responses to actions, protests, or violence as overreaching. Mothers have actually rose up and said that maybe this isn't in the confines of what government was created to be. But this is the paragraph I really want you to connect with. Are you ready? Motherhood plays an especially key role in the kinds of rhetorical strategies far-right extremists use, including the kinds of, quote, utopian propaganda that call, end quote, that calls on followers to reject modernity and embrace traditional values and roles. But women aren't called upon to be entirely passive as mothers or to be relegated completely to domestic tasks. Rather, motherhood is used to justify women's engagement in activism and to, quote, depoliticize, end quote, their actions by positioning them as acting on behalf of their children and families. 
What? Sound the alarms. Mothers acting on behalf of their children and families. How can that be? (laughs) What have we come to? What have we come to that this is actually an article where they're saying mothers are actually standing up to protect their children and families and trying to depoliticize their actions because they actually care about their kids. It goes on saying, during her 2008 vice presidential run, Sarah Palin coined the term Mama Grizzlies to refer to conservative women who will protect their children from bad government policies. Wow. Somehow that's become a bad thing? My friends, I believe the mama bear mentality is what's missing. It's what needs to rise up in this world. And I think Sarah Palin had it absolutely right. I'm just floored that somebody would write an article claiming that extremist views are actually mothers standing up for their children. They talked about they talked about women being or mothers being weaponized. Being weaponized. Well, there are moments for mama grizzlies. And mama grizzlies aren't always friendly, especially when you get between them and their cub. This is this is nature. <laughs> at work. And this is what we are seeing, what we have been seeing, what I've been talking about over the last couple of podcasts. But I'm just floored that somebody would take a stance that says, now this is countercultural. No way. It will never be countercultural. See, Mama Grizzlies has saved us from a lot of things and are continuing to save us from a lot of things, including my Mama Grizzly and my wife towards our children and parents in general. They've saved us from from topics about abortion and CRT and sex education, morality, uh, resistance for parental involvement and notification. Guess who's standing up? The Mama Grizzlies. And we're just going to have to accept that as extremism? Apparently, but that's extremism I can live with. See, my friends, as family goes... So goes the culture. I believe the author of this article completely understands that. And so when we can remove or villainize uh, even mothers, they went after mothers. (laughs) When we can villainize mothers, it makes kind of sense because even they realize, even secular sociologists realize that as family goes, so goes the culture. That's been true since the garden. It's been true all through history of time. It's true today. It will always be true. As family goes, so goes the culture. And so it's understandable why many are looking to demarginalize or to defuse or to de-weaponize the family. The family has to be the target because it's the last thing that's standing in our culture that's going to stand up for what is right and what is good or what they put in the, her article, traditional values and roles. See, if we go back to the very beginning of time, we have to understand that family was the plan from the beginning. 
See, God created the world with a plan and family was the plan. If you haven't read Creation Week for a while, I would just encourage you to open your Bibles and go to the first part of Genesis in the beginning. And I want you to read it from a perspective of a loving father actually creating a world for his children. The first five days of creation are sort of repetitive. Uh, there's morning and night. He saw that it was good. Uh, and that was the end of the first day, second day, third day. And, and there's, this, there's this pattern that takes place as we're reading. But even when we get to day six, there's actually a change. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, an intimacy that takes place in day six. And I don't think anyone would argue that day six was special. There was something special about day six as he created mankind. And the, there's even a conversation, the, the syntax, the, the, the speech changes. And he says, Let's us, let us make them in our image. And he created the male and female and placed them into the garden. And he saw that it was very good. And then Genesis 1.28 the all-creator God faces his creation and speaks to them for the very first time. Wouldn't you love just to have the video of that moment when this took place? In Genesis 1.28, he speaks to them and says, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. My friends, I like to call that the first great commission. I believe there was a second great commission, but I don't believe that the second great commission that we read about in the Gospels, canceled the first. I think it was built upon the first. And the first great commission was given to family. The second great commission, go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that was given to the church. And the church is actually built upon the backbone of family. Because as family goes, so goes the culture. And so the father had a plan. And his plan was to place family into the garden. Now, the garden wasn't the whole world. In fact, the garden had boundaries. And if you read, uh, it was very specific about four riverheads that, was, that, was, that belonged to Adam and Eve in the garden. And they were supposed to steward it and take care of it. They weren't responsible for the whole world. But their family, they were supposed to be fruitful, multiply. They were to fill the earth and to subdue it. Have you ever considered that the Father actually created the world unsubdued. He created it unsubdued. The word subdue is the word kabosh. Have you ever heard somebody say, put a kabosh on something? The word kabosh is actually means to put under your feet. The little, literal interpretation of the word kabosh is actually a footstool, to put under your feet. So we see that the Lord created um, creation but placed us in the garden to actually pay a, play a part in his creation. How cool is that? We would actually play a role in what he actually had planned for his creation. Adam and Eve were supposed to have children. They were supposed to reproduce not only physically, but the culture of Eden that he created for us. And their children were then, were supposed to reproduce that culture over the face of the earth. There was an enemy in the garden. I wish he wasn't there, but he was there. But he was supposed to be under their feet. All rule and dominion had actually been given to mankind, and Satan had no authority. 
And the only way that Satan could have authority, rule, or power on the earth is if mankind gave it to him, which we know is, was exactly what happened. They relinquished their dominion and, and authority and rule on the earth over to Satan by sinning and rebelling from the Father's perfect plan. See, he had a plan in place, and it involved us. And it was critical that we actually ran with his plan, embraced his culture, and reproduced that culture over the face of the earth. Now, when we walked away and stepped away from that perfect plan, it didn't change the plan. In fact, you can go all the way through the book of Genesis and see that this cultural mandate, Genesis 128, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, is appropriately named the cultural mandate. What a perfect name. Why? Because as family goes, so goes the culture. This was the culture that he created. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And when he created that plan and placed mankind into that plan, and when we walked away and turned our back from the plan, guess what? This might blow your mind. It didn't cancel the plan. We have no authority or power to cancel God's plan when he speaks it into place. And so when you look through Genesis, actually over and over and over again, there are 10 parts of Genesis. Like these are the generations of. And when you go through the book of Genesis, repeatedly, almost within every single section, is the phrase, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Noah gets off the boat. What's the first thing that the father says to him? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. See, because it's still part of his plan. We are still supposed to be reproducing his culture over the face of the earth. And here's the punchline, my friend. Here's the thing that is so important that we learn for the rest of our lives as we live in our homes together as families. Are you ready for it? There is no plan B. We're it. If we don't understand that we actually reproduce the culture of heaven over the face of the earth, who else is going to do it? There's no one else other than human families embracing the culture of heaven and reproducing that culture over the face of the earth. See, my friends, in a strange sort of way, the father weaponized families. <laughs> exactly what this woman is saying is so dangerous, is so so extreme, is actually an ancient truth. She hit the nail right on the head. It's an ancient truth. Families have been weaponized, not to kill or destroy, but to subdue. See, the enemy was defeated on Calvary. He was defeated. And when, and when Jesus came out of the grave and was resurrected, his, our sin, uh, the separation, the, the, um, the place of, 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 of being apart from the Father's love was actually reintroduced to us through the blood of Jesus. His blood and resurrection changed everything. And then comes the second great commission. 
Then he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go. See, here's the crazy part that's hard for us to get our head around, that Jesus actually restored our dominion. The culture of Eden is actually back in play. Don't you ever ask yourself the question or ask God the question? Like, why, why God, when you came out of the grave and sin was destroyed and the enemy was defeated and the keys were brought back again, why is the enemy still around? Why does he still lurk here on this earth and wreak havoc and cause all this problem, these problems here on earth? And the answer is, is that we were created to rule in the presence of our enemies. Just like in the garden, Satan was there, but he was of no effect. He had no power. He had no dominion. And the only way that he can get it today is if we give it to him. Jesus actually restored the culture of Eden to us. And he restored the cultural mandate which empowers families, which weaponizes families to move across the face of the earth and recreate the culture, the culture of heaven here on earth. It is our role and there is no plan B. (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying it until you believe it. There is no plan B. Satan is present, but he's of no effect. He is to be under our feet. We are absolutely supposed to be weaponized with the ability to subdue the earth where the principalities and powers are placed under our feet and we walk again in our God-given authority. I believe we all have been called to be Mama Grizzlies, the one who protects the culture of heaven. That's what we've been talking about so much over this past month about all of these these crazy cultural issues that we're facing. We're the ones that are supposed to roar. We're the ones that are supposed to rise up and say, wait a minute, this is not cultural to what the Father created for us. And absolutely mothers and fathers should be on the fiery front line protecting our children. You better believe it. Not only should we, We were created to be right there. It's our role here on this earth. So, you know, I always get that picture where, you know, I sort of get this kind of Lord of the Rings kind of picture of sort of this valley, um, this, and it's surrounded by these orc type creatures and it's dark and it's ugly. And right in the middle of this valley is this table. And it has the white linen tablecloth and a rose in the middle and wine glasses. And and there's this place where the Bible says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And I kind of love it because it's sort of, it's sort of like talking smack to the devil. (laughs) It's, it's like posturing. It's saying, yeah, I see you, you look intimidating, but in the middle of it all, you are actually under our feet. And so our response to all of your posturing, all of your noise, all of your anger and ugliness, our response to that is that we're going to sit down and have dinner. My father actually prepares a table for me, not in some secret protected place, 
but in the presence of my enemies so that they can see, so that they can see who I am and who we are. It's called subduing. And I believe that family has actually been given a unique authority to subdue. If you're listening to this podcast and you have children who have turned away from the faith, who have rejected the faith, who have um, slipped and slide, slid away from the faith, if you feel like you have full-on prodigals who have simply walked away, if there are relationships between brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents that are broken, that is the enemy trying to de-weaponize you, trying to demarginalize you, trying to marginalize you, not demarginalize you, trying to marginalize you, trying to defuse you. And those attacks from the enemy, that posturing, can actually be placed under your feet. That's my prayer for you as I release this podcast over you and your families. That those principalities and powers will be placed under your feet. See, our children need to make their own choices. We can't manipulate them and we can't force them to follow or behave a certain way. But we absolutely can attack and subdue the principalities and powers that are bringing confusion, pain, and separation to your children or to those relationships. Parents, it's grizzly bear time. It's mama grizzly. That's the time where you go on your knees before the Lord and you petition on their behalf and you subdue. You tell the enemy where he can go, which is under your feet. That's where he belongs. That's where he belongs. See, we are actually seated in Christ in heavenly places. And it says heaven is his throne and the earth is his what? His footstool. He has subdued the earth through his blood and through his resurrection. And we sit in him in heavenly places. That's our place. He's prepared a table for us in our presence of our enemies. And that is true for you. And that is true for your family. If you want to change the world, if you want to change the world, I'm going to quote Mother Teresa. She said, if you want to change the world, she said, go home and love your family. That's not just some kind of trite little bumper sticker. That's strategy. Because as our families get healed, then we are actually weaponized to go and take territory for this world. To reproduce his culture over the face of the earth. No one will ever be able to separate the passion of a parent from their child. Ever. I don't care how deprived this culture gets. We are hardwired. We are hardwired to care for our families. Because that's the way he created it from the beginning. I believe there's a quote uh, attributed to Edmund Burke. And he said, the only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. That's what the enemy wants us to do. It wants us to feel defeated, wants us to feel marginalized, wants us to feel de-weaponized. But here's a Dr. Johnny quote. I believe the saddest human condition is loneliness. But very close second is a disempowered parent. 
I don't think there's anything quite as sad as a parent who feels powerless. Well, I'm here with this podcast to tell you that you aren't. You have been given God, given authority, power. You have been weaponized to actually bring healing and wholeness to your family and to reproduce his culture through your family. Family is that important. If you are interested in more resources about family, I encourage you to go to gofam.org. Gofam.org, you'll find a book that I wrote called Restoring the Power of Family. And my second book uh, that I wrote called The Ultimate, Restoring the Culture of Marriage. I encourage you to grab those books. We have multiple other resources and we have our full powerhouse family course that you can download um, for either for personal use or for group use. As well, the same is true for our marriage course as well. There's family resources that empower you and strengthen you because it is so important. So please connect with those resources. And if you want to leave any kind of comment or question regarding this podcast or others, please go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org, and leave your message, question, or comment. Thank you again for tuning in. This is my passion. This is my life message. And I pray that your family would feel empowered and blessed this week until we meet again next week. And until then, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.